Welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. Uh, today, we've got retired U.S. Army General William Ward, the first commander of AFRICOM. Uh, this was a unified combatant command focused primarily on mitigating terrorist attacks and other security issues, they were disrupting narcotics activity, promoting regional stability. Um, and he's our guest today, and we'll be diving into his experience, how one can leverage the military experience for a rewarding career. And I love this, how one can improve their foxhole. Now, before I introduce General Ward, I just want to put a shout out to the segment sponsors, Honest Talk International and Circle for Parents. Both these organizations have a vetted network of experts uh, who are standing by to help all our listeners navigate issues related to nutrition, fitness, parenting, relationships, intimacy. I encourage you guys to visit HonestBirthTalk.com and CircleForParents.com. General Ward, welcome to the show. Well, hello, Mike, and thanks very much. Well, yeah, I, I'm just so excited uh, to really have you here. Your experience is very rich. I know our listeners will gain from it. You know, I was reading up on your profile. You commissioned in the infantry in 1971. Uh, you've got tours that include Korea, Egypt, Somalia, Bosnia, uh, Israel, uh, two tours in Germany, um, Gosh, assignments all over the U.S., including in Alaska and Hawaii. And we could talk about those. I spent 14 years up in Alaska. I, I, just bottom line for me, impressed. Um, not just because of your successes, though, and I'll be very honest about that, but because you've had your share of adversity, too. And now you tour the country helping others improve their foxhole. So, you know, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about, like, you hit four-star, but then you fell from four-star. What happened? Tell us what happened. That, that was kind of your first, maybe that wasn't your first part of adversity, but tell us how you emerged out of that. Well, uh, you know, the, the, that episode uh, happened at the very tail end of my career. I was about to retire. And, uh, and as I was approaching uh, my retirement, uh, a couple of folks who had worked for me uh, at my last of command uh, said some things, uh, not true, uh, but unfortunately, uh, I couldn't disprove and so uh, at least at least at that time, at that time. And as a result of that, with a lot of things going on in the military, uh, the secretary of defense made the decision that uh, I, I would retire as a lieutenant general and uh, and uh, at the very end of my career. But I served honorably as a uh, four star combatant commander uh, for three and a half years. And prior to then, as a uh, four star deputy combatant commander uh, at U.S. European Command uh, prior to standing up AFRICOM. So. So that uh, episode happened at the very tail end of my career as a result of, candidly, a couple of disgruntled folks who knew that some administrative requirements that should have been in place, in fact, uh, that they had some responsibility for ensuring were in place, uh, weren't there. Uh, ultimately, as the commander, uh, my responsibility, but you trust folks to do things. And that was a very big lesson uh, that sometimes uh, trust is not returned and uh, and because of uh, who they were and what they uh uh, did uh, that that they that didn't happen to them. Uh, they saw an opportunity to uh, uh, make some claims that uh, were, although uh, false, uh, because of some lacking administrative requirements, I, I could not at that time uh, say were not the case. Yeah, isn't isn't that interesting, sir? I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's 
you know, you could live a life honorably. You could do right by others. You can, uh, you've had a very successful career. Um, and that, and even though you create that kind of circle, uh, it doesn't mean adversity and circumstances won't hit you. And I think what was so impressive is, you know, some would look at that as, man, a, a tremendous, you know, career killer or boy, how could you, you know, at the tail end of your career of all, of all times. But what I love about your story is you did not allow that to define you. You are still giving back. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about that as adversity is going to hit and it's going to hit those at transition, no matter how successful they were in the military. What did you find from that experience when adversity hit? What, what was kind of your first initial thoughts? Well, the first thing was that uh, I'm still who I am. And, uh, and, and none of that was my character, integrity uh, ever compromised. And so therefore, uh, I continue to uh, move and do and be as I had always been uh, uh, honest, uh, forthright, uh, confident. And so and those things that were of interest to me uh, were still of interest to me. Uh, as I would say, uh, you know, being the best that you can be for your teammates, doing what you can do so that they are elevated, uh, being a good teammate. And so as I retired uh, after a very uh, good career, I mean, I enjoyed it, uh, you know, 40 years of active duty, uh, and, th and that happened. That didn't change who I was uh, and, uh, because, that, that, because that didn't define me. Uh, you know, I'm uh, an individual who was, you know, God-fearing, uh, and so uh, my faith was strong and I believed in myself. And the other thing you know, that was also there, you know, friends and family who those who knew the truth knew the truth. And so uh, and so it was, it was those who don't know and hear what they see, either in the, the social media echo team or whatever, who didn't know. But those who were with me and knew to include uh, so many others uh, uh, that were a part of that whole time. So so their faith, their confidence, their trust, uh, their belief, uh, their friendship. Uh, their love, all those things are still present. And, and, and with that, that's what grounded me to continue to move forward. And, uh, and I'm very, very happy that I did because the transition, while certainly what it uh, might have been, uh, wasn't something that I just shunned away from either. And so uh, you, this age old thing, you know, you, you're flexible, you, we're resilient. And, uh, and as my favorite philosopher, Yogi Berra says, you come to a fork in the road, you take it. And I took the fork and I moved forward. And that and that journey uh, was, was was fine, too. How did you not get caught up in reading the negative press clippings? I mean, it, you know, it, it was a flash. You know, there was a lot of talk about it. Um, how did you not allow that? And you spoke briefly about this, you know, having your close circle, right? People that knew the truth, knew who, who you are. But... How did you do it? How did you avoid getting caught up in it? Did you just stop reading the newspapers and watching TV? I, I, I just didn't do it. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it, 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 it was pervasive. The good news is it, it wasn't something that lasted forever. Uh, I got, got tired of it. And then, and uh, in, in many respects, uh, you know, it was a the story of the day it passed and, and, and life went on and I just didn't dwell on it. And so you're right. I just didn't go to those things. Uh, and uh, the good news is there, there was a lot of positive things still going because I was still doing things. I was still involved, engaged, uh, as, as I am till today. You know, the things the, that I do in support of uh, the development of young men, in support of communities, remaining active uh, uh, and 
the importance of our international affairs and so far as stability is concerned, the things that were important to me before remain important. That didn't change. Again, that's how you're grounded. And so when those things occur, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't let them consume you. You move on to those things that, uh, that, that bring satisfaction, that are meaningful, that give purpose and serve others as well. And that's what I continue to do. One of my favorite sayings, in, in addition to improve the foxhole, is proud to serve. Uh, because I think it is something that I'm proud to do. Uh, uh, I learned that at a young age from my parents, my dad. And so uh, you know, serving others is what this is about. And, uh, and, you, and, and you move on. You don't dwell on the negative. You move forward. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think, I, I, and you've probably seen this over your career, uh, you know, as a leader, you know, leaders oftentimes start to read their, their own press clippings, right? Even when you get into you know, the, the one, two, three, four star. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, you know, becoming someone, there's expectations around you, who you should be, you know, some lose sight of their values. You talked about staying grounded. What, what advice do you have for young men and women, emerging leaders uh, to do? What do they need to do to stay grounded so they don't get caught up in that press clipping stuff? I'm a, uh, solid foundation, good home. Uh, it's, you know, we are, we're all first human beings and none of us is better than the next person. And, uh, and, and for me, uh, it wasn't about being served. It was always about serving others. And it didn't matter uh, from my time as a brand new lieutenant, as a platoon leader, how could I cause my the guys in my platoon, my infantry platoon to be better? What, what was my role in that? And then in the same thing as a captain when I commanded my company, as a lieutenant colonel commanding my battalion, as a colonel commanding my brigade, uh, as an assistant division commander, as a division commander, uh, as a NATO commander, and clearly as a combatant commander. It's all about how can what I do help my teammates be more successful at what they do, because each person makes a difference with respect to the completion, success of the mission. And that was the same methodology uh, uh, that I brought to my uh, post-military uh, career as well. You know, how my being there was all about causing my teammates to be more successful and better at what they did. So, and, and when I approach it that way, and that's what I would tell my folks, uh, if each of us is working in the, for the support of everyone else, then the entire team is elevated. We're all elevated. And so for me, it was never about Kip Ward. It was about how Kip Ward can help the team be uh, better in getting its mission done, as well as taking care of the folks who are part of it. So how I take care of my people, I did my best to ensure that that was happening in ways that they knew it. And that's the same advice I give young leaders uh, uh, as I would, uh, my, my, my junior leaders. Uh, it's about how you take care of your folks in ways that they know it. And, uh, and thankfully, and with the, you know, obviously with the blessings that I've received, uh, that's how I served my entire career. And, uh, and that's really how I'm defined. Uh, these other things are uh, not there. And again, those who know me know that. And I'm just so thankful that uh, that's you know, how it was. And, and for me, that's how it's been maintained. And well, had, but is that like part of your DNA? Because I know that, like you say that, like you kept a level set you know, despite your successes, I mean, or because of your successes, maybe, you know, in spite of or because of. Uh, but I, I'm sure you've seen it in other leaders where that same principle doesn't stand. So what would you say is the differentiator? Is it because 
Is it because of your faith? Is it because you're grounded? Is it because it was ingrained? Is there, do you see a differentiator between how you execute and how some other leaders execute? Is there, is there one thing that they do? Maybe not. Um, but from your perspective, what do you see? I think, uh, the, the, you know, fortunately, uh, the good news is most leaders approach leading and being a part of a team, I think, in, a, in pretty consistent terms. And that is uh, how do you do the best to take care of your people and do what's best for them? And it's not about you. Uh, and and it, it, it is uh, certainly, you know, my, my, you know, you know, I get a lot of that from my parents. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, that was how I was raised uh, to you know, take care of your fellow human being, uh, tr- treat people as you would like to be treated. Uh, so that's there. Uh, c- certainly, my faith is also a part of it that I, I maintain a strong faith uh, uh, that we're all made in the image of the of, of the Maker, and uh, and that means we're none none of us is better than anyone else. We all have, and each of us have a position that, regardless of what we do, that's important. That's important. I can recall uh, when I commanded the uh, U.S. Army Hawaii when I commanded the 25th Infantry Division and I had all those installation pieces and I would go into my facilities and, and, uh, and custodians, I would seek custodians out because I know, I mean, the custodians, the job of, from, from being a, one of the uh, recreational facilities or, or one of the clubs, uh, go in there and uh, you, you go into a latrine or restroom, a bathroom and the place is clean and it's kept uh, you know, I appreciated that. And I wanted the person that was responsible for it to know that I appreciated what he or she was doing with respect to that. That was very important to the morale uh, of that of that facility, that location. And when you go into a place when that's not the case, you can tell the difference. And so it wasn't that the the comptroller or the the auditor or the manager, that that custodian, that cook was just as an important part of the overall success of that organization as anyone else. And I and that's something that, again, my entire life has been a part of it. So, so I think it's all those things are part of the makeup of the individual that causes uh, her or, or, or him to act in such a way. I'm just thankful that for me, it was something that I uh, had ingrained and instilled in me from watching the example of my dad, obviously my mom, grandparents, and then how they lived and what they did, how they treated people. The, the, the golden rule kind of works most, if not all the time. You just treat people the way you want to be treated and the rest of it is kind of works. Yeah, I love that. You know, that that was something I was asked not too long ago, like, you know, what is the secret to your success? Which I always thought was a pretty interesting question because people measure success differently, right? And I, I kind of follow that same principle. And that's what I love about your story is, you know, the secret really is I treat everybody um, as they should be treated. I mean, that's really the secret, right? It's, you know, I treat them like they matter because they do matter. You know, it doesn't, you know, your position in life, you know, is your position in life, but it doesn't, ex- it doesn't exclude you from being treated like a fellow human being and a brother or sister. The key word, you know, dignity and respect applies to each individual. That's not about your station in life. It's dignity and respect, uh, whatever you are, wherever you do. And, uh, and when you treat people so that, you know, they know from how you treat them that you matter and you mean something. Uh, they care. Uh, it goes a long way. It, uh, gosh, it so does, man. It, I think it moves mountains. You know, that's, you know, one of the things we talk about on this show often is that whole, uh, 
adage, you know, one team, one fight. And we tend to keep politics out of the discussion um, just because, you know, that's a whole different discussion, a whole different show for that matter. But you just uh, you discuss topics related to good governance and creating a civil society, which I, I think is so important. Um, and I think many would agree it's probably a much needed discussion, especially now. And I think oftentimes we, we have the problems we do because maybe we don't talk about it enough, um, you know, where we're learning to stay in the room with difference and actually learning to listen to others as opposed to listening to argue. Um, in your experience, and this is part of your talk, you you what do you see as the key to good governance in civil society, both professionally and personally? Yeah, uh, it's candidly, it's it's I won't say it's simple, but it's not complex. Uh, it's, it's hard to bring into action to be sure. But 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 the concept is simple. You know, are you doing things uh, that would cause those who, who you serve uh, in the case of a government? It would be it could be at the federal, state, local level. Uh, but the, those who you serve, are you doing things that will ultimately be a benefit to them uh, and, and and are you doing it in a transparent way uh, are you doing it in a way that's that that causes accountability to be able to be measured and results to be measured uh, such that uh, uh, actions that are taken result in tangible benefits to the population in transparent and equitable ways uh, uh, without Doing things that are corrupt uh, or or otherwise uh, untoward, uh, doing it appropriately, you know, maintaining your integrity, being honest, being truthful, and when you and when you do that, you are governing in a way that that makes sense. But, this, but you're missing this the point about listening. You've got to understand who you're serving, and so you and this is. You know, I talk about improving the foxhole. I also talk about getting out of the foxhole uh, because uh, because you cannot always approach things from your perspective. You also have to approach things from the perspective of, of, of others. I mean, our way of doing things or our viewpoint with respect to how life is or is not, uh, there, there are many, many aspects to that. When I was the commander of Africa Command, even when I was the, commander of, the deputy commander of U.S. European Command, you know, going to a different part of the area of responsibility, uh, it was a the people had different history, different language, uh, different culture, different mores, and their approach to life was different. So you couldn't always come in and just lay down your thought and say, "Now do it my way or the highway." You had to understand the the perspective, the point of view of those with whom you're serving as well. And so for for those who would seek to govern. It's all in that regard. It's also about being attentive to your constituencies. Man, I think this would work in personal relationships, like in marriages too, right? <laughs> like you, you got to pay attention to your constituent, your spouse. You know how do they how do they respond? How do they act? How do they? Yeah, I think. That's good. You, I, I want to jump into this, and, and I want to be tentative to time because you know, and, and I'd love to have you back on the show too. But you, you have this talk called "Improving Your Foxhole." What will people learn from that talk? And I'm, I'm encouraging people to, you know, look you up, uh, General William Kip Ward, uh, and 
improving a foxhole. It's a great talk, but what, what are the like one or two primary things people would learn from this talk? Well, the, the, the first thing is, uh, wherever you are, whatever position you're in, uh, that's your foxhole. Uh, and for me, that's, uh, saying started when I was a platoon leader. Uh, and I got that from my platoon sergeant. Uh, we were out on the field exercise. And then in the old days, we, we literally dug foxholes and you got down in the foxhole and the foxhole was used to, 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 to protect you. Uh, and as long as you are occupying it, since this thing might have to save my life one day, I want to make it better. I want to keep making this foxhole better. I want to improve this foxhole. And, uh, and, and I kind of took that as a, as a, way of approaching my work from then on. And it didn't matter what the foxhole was uh, during my time at, you know, again, you know, in, a, in, a, in a unit where I was physically digging a foxhole as an infantryman uh, to uh, my jobs in the Pentagon and, and, and elsewhere. Uh, and that job that I had, that position, that assignment, that was my foxhole. And you work every day to make it better. You do something every day to cause that foxhole to be better. And, uh, and when you do that, at the conclusion of that time of occupying it, you look back and say, yep, I left this foxhole better than, than I found it. And that's what we all want to do. You know, so you work consistently each day to improve the foxhole, to make the position that you're in, uh, the responsibility that you have, the job that you have a little bit better each and every day. Sometimes it happens in leaps and bounds. Sometimes it may be a low crawl uh, pace to see some results. But as long as you're working at it every day to make that foxhole better, uh, uh, then you're doing uh, good and you're making a difference and you're causing the team to perform in a more effective, uh, more effective way. I love that. So what, what is, as we wrap this thing up, what, what is the one piece of advice you would give to those who are transitioning when it comes to finding a new sense of mission and purpose. I know this is an area that oftentimes people struggle with when they get out, you know, purpose was defined, mission was often defined, and then they get out and they've got to find new mission and purpose. What's that one piece of advice you would give those who are getting ready to transition? I think right that the, the succinct thing that I would say is all these sets of skills and tools that any transitioning service member uh, would need to be successful in a post-military life they possess. Uh, and it comes with the basic things that they have done throughout their military uh, career. Uh, you know, res- being responsible, you know, being disciplined, uh, uh, you know, being task-oriented, uh, you know, being a part of a team such that you know, you know your actions impact those of your teammates as well, and you take that into account when you move forward. Those same attributes are applicable in the civilian society as well. And candidly, civilian industry look for folks like that because uh, they know that the military uh, member who comes into their private civilian enterprise has those things that she or he has already demonstrated that they can do because of having had a successful military career. And so I think the thing that I would say, you know, go forward confident knowing that, yeah, this is something new to me, but the tools that I need to be successful, I possess because I've already demonstrated the ability to, to do it and go forward with confidence, not with uh, huge egos or hubris or nothing like that, but confident knowing that, uh, hey, I can do this uh, because I have already done this. And, uh, and I think that is the foundational framework 
that's helpful in whatever career endeavor. It's skill sets. You know, some folks come with some very defined skill sets, and that's great. But even without the defined skill set, you know that you can also learn things. You bring that basic understanding of who you are, confident, disciplined, you're responsible. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. You show up on time because we've done that all along. Those are the things that uh, are in uh, high demand uh, in the civilian society after you transition. And you take that and those are your bona fides for success. I love it. Thank you, General, for that. You know, you're such a wealth of information and I'm I'm encouraging people to, to look you up and find you. Um, how do people find you? Where, where, where can they find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay, good. And, and your handle on LinkedIn, is it, is it General William Ward? Is it General Kip Ward? Is it, what, how do they find you? General William Kip Ward. Got it. Okay, good. And your talk is great. I encourage people that if they're looking for a great speaker, um, I think you would, uh, and you're still speaking on stages, correct? I am. I am. I am. This past month, I've three or four, uh, uh, most recently with the American Legion, uh, their national convention here in Washington, D.C. Uh, so uh, I, I am still speaking. Uh, that's great. Well, General, I appreciate you being a guest on this show. It's such a great guest. And um, thank you for being on the show. Mike, my pleasure. Thank you. And thanks for what you do in serving our service members through this forum. Uh, 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 they remain our greatest treasure, sons and daughters of America. And uh, I'm just privileged and proud to have had the opportunity to have served alongside so many of them for my career. And uh, just so happy that as I even go through an airport today and someone comes up to me and says, hey, sir, remember me? I'm so-and-so and so-and-so. Just want to thank you for your service, like what you did. And uh, and for me, that's some of my greatest reward, knowing that uh, I serve with folks who thought that my being with them made a difference uh, in their life and their abilities as well, because they sure did it for me. I love it. Well, thank you again, sir. My pleasure. Take care. 